second baseman, Shed Law. When I get that call, first call I'm making, I gotta call my parents. And I mean, it's just gonna be, I don't know, a dream, you know? Long with a fly ball out towards the left field corner. Going back is Hill. It's over his head and it's gone. I'm C. Trent Rosecrans, and this is Great American Dream. The story of the minor leagues told through the eyes of Red second base prospect Shed Long. Very delightful good afternoon to you and welcome once again out to Blue Wahoo Stadium in Pensacola. Today it's Game 3 of the Southern League South Division Championship Series. Hi again along with Chris Garagiola, I'm Tommy Thraw. Chris, the Wahoos with a win today can end up sweeping this series and claiming a share of the Southern League title. As soon as Shed Long was promoted to AA Pensacola back in July, he knew his season wouldn't end on September 4th when the Southern League's regular season was scheduled to end but that there would be a postseason. Minor leagues often have strange and complicated ways of deciding championships. For the most part, minor league seasons are cut in half, with first-half champions and second-half champions. A lot of that is because of the movement of the players. Long's Daytona team to start the season was 33-32 and 32 in the first half, but after the likes of Long, Nick Senzel, and Gavin LaValle were promoted to AA, the Tortugas limped to a 20-48 and 48 record in the second half. The Blue Wahoos won their first half with a 40-30 record before getting the Tortugas players and sending some players up to AAA and even the big leagues. The team's second half record was 34-36, tied for third in the five-team Southern Division. But they had already clinched a playoff spot. Each league does their playoffs differently, and this time, boy was it different. Hold on here, because if that first part wasn't confusing enough, well, this is a little more convoluted. After the Blue Wahoos' three-game Southern League South Division Championship Series was underway with the second-half champion Ch Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, it was announced that because of Hurricane Irma's projected path through Florida, instead of the winner of this series going on to face the winner of the North Division, the Southern League would have co-champions. It was another odd-weather quirk to the Blue Wahoos' season. Pensacola was scheduled to host the Southern League All-Star Game, but it was rained out. The best-of-five Southern Division series was supposed to start in Pensacola and move to Jacksonville for the final three games. But at that time, Irma's path was already mapped out for Jacksonville. So instead of two games in Pensacola, the third was scheduled for Pensacola, and the next two, if needed, would move west to Biloxi, Mississippi. That wouldn't be necessary. The Blue Wahoos won the first game 2-0 and the second 6-3, before hosting the Jumbo Shrimp for Game 3, looking for the franchise's first title. The Blue Wahoos have been bounced from the first round of the Southern League postseason in each of their first two trips to the playoffs. This year, this was a team on a mission. Now time called. They were not about to let that happen. Right now, they are trying to make it not just a win, but a sweep. The one-two. Swing and a fly ball, well hit. Left field on the run, Guerrero at the warning track. He reaches out, it's off his glove and to the wall. Into second base is Hill sliding in safely with a leadoff double. 
That's Tommy Thrall getting ready to call the team's first title with Pensacola leading 4-3 in the bottom of the ninth, with the Blue Wahoos technically the visiting team, and closer Zach Weiss on the mound. And the Wahoos are one out away from a title. Up and away with the hard stuff to Lee, and he swung right through it. An excellent job by Blue Wahoos pitching against Braxton Lee in this series. Here's Austin Dean. The right-hander deals the pitch. Dean takes a breaking ball down and away. Two outs, ninth inning, 4-3 to three Blue Wahoos. Jacksonville batting with the tying run at second. One ball, no strikes. Weiss through the signs. He's ready. A chest high set, the 1-0 pitch. Swing and a line drive, base hit, center field. Up throwing Reynoso. Here comes the throw to the plate. It hits off the mound. The run will score. Up to second base is Dean, and we're all tied at four. In the 12th, though, Aristides Aquino, who struggled for much of the year, came through for the Blue Wahoos. In comes the 0-1 pitch. There goes the runner. Swing and a line drive, base hit, right field. Here comes Guerrero, and the Wahoos are back in front. Aristides Aquino lining a base hit into right. 5-4 Pensacola in the 12th inning. That meant three outs again, and the title was theirs. Three balls, two strikes. The payoff pitch. Swinging a chopper to the right side. Shedlong has it. Braxton Lee has been retired for the first out of the 12th inning. That is a big out. After a strikeout, Jumbo Shrimp right fielder John Norwood hit a ball to short. And, well, Shed didn't have to wait to see what happened. I knew. Once it was hit the break, I said, yeah, we done it. And now the Jumbo Shrimp... With their backs against the wall, the Wahoos have them down to their final strike. McCarahan hoping to deliver the knockout punch and the Wahoos title. Hudson's through the signs, McCarahan has it. The left-hander ready, and the one-two pitch. Swinging a chopper towards the middle, Trahan to his left, fields, throws, he got him! And that's it! The Wahoos have the first Southern League title in franchise history in 2017. McCurahan is mobbed as the Blue Wahoos pile just to the left of the mound in celebration. It took 12 innings, but the Wahoos sweep their way to their first Southern League championship. Right-hander Deck McGuire, a first-round pick by the Blue Jays back in 2011, started game one of the series and had the start of his life. Eight shutout innings with four hits and 13 strikeouts. Here, I caught up with him at Great American Ballpark to talk about that title. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, <clears throat> we actually had a really similar team for the at least the last 70 games. Um, and we had a pretty big core that had been there for all 143, I guess. Um, so it was awesome, man. You know, it's... It was fun. The staff was great. You know, Pat Kelly, our manager, Dane Darwin, pitching coach. 
hitting coach, everybody was was awesome. So it was uh, it was cool to win it for them, cool to win it for the the fans of Pensacola, and good to get out of there for a hurricane hit. So much of the minor leagues is about individual achievement, not team achievements. You can have a successful season, moving up and putting up big numbers and all that, without your team doing well. But championships do help. Jeff Croppe, the Reds' director of player development, said he thinks that there's importance for players to get a chance to win and not just pad their own stats. Uh, they go hand in hand, way more than people would think. Um, the ability to have to perform in big games is something that you can't teach. And it's very rare that you get to have a pressure situation in the minor leagues where it's not a focus on development or individually, did I get better that day? It's, did I accomplish what I needed to do to make the team win? And whether it be the end of the first half in a playoff run or the end of the second half or the playoffs themselves, that's the beauty of winning in the minor leagues is it's just the closest thing we can do to replicate an environment where the process gets put aside a little bit and results do matter. Shed was just two for 12 in the championship series, but he's still a champion. He still got to spray champagne and celebrate with his friends and teammates. But because this is the minors and the goal is always bigger, Long said his favorite memory of the day came after all the beer and champagne bottles were emptied and everyone was packing up to go their separate ways. I think where we got the most exciting was probably Honestly, the the most exciting part for me mm-hmm. was Maya getting called up to the big leagues because PK announced it right when everyone got into uh, when everyone got into the locker room after we celebrated on the field. You know, PK yeah. brought everybody together. Everybody was packing and stuff. You know, to leave and he stopped everyone. He's like, "Hey," and we thought he was about to give a speech, and he said. Gary Mayer, you're going to the show, you know. And, I mean, that's just, you know, that was a special moment for him. I mean, I was happy for him, you know, big time. I mean, me and Mayer were cool and everything. And, you know, so that was, like, that was a special moment for me from that day. Long season was just that, long. From the slow start in Daytona to the hot streak to the prolonged slump in Pensacola, the injury, and the championship. From the distance of a couple of weeks, Long was able to look back at what he had done, hitting 281 and 16 homers between the two levels, and see success. More importantly, he handled that hand and wrist injury that cost him nearly a month and returned to hit 313 the rest of the way through the playoffs. He had hit in seven of the last 10 games and ended with a celebration. And all, not too bad. I mean, how much is that a load off your shoulders to, to finish strong like that? Um, I mean, it felt good, you know, and it it kind of was good because right before I got hurt, you know, I was um, I was starting to swing it better, right? And um, and then I had like those five games, I had like a five or six game history going, and then boom, I get hurt, and then I have to sit out for almost a whole month. But then, you know, coming back, I mean, it was kind of like I just I just started where I left off, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's, you, can't, and, uh, you can't expect that. you got to be happy about it, though. Right, exactly. I mean, that was the biggest thing, you know, just, just finishing strong. And, I mean, I've done that. And, I mean, I don't know. It wasn't a bad year, so, you know, I'm not really worried about it anymore. 
Putting it behind me. I got to focus on next year now. Who's not kidding? Who's in Arizona when we talked? You got one weekend at home before heading to Instructional League in Goodyear. Even though the season's over, his isn't. He's still working on his game with many of the organization's younger players. It's not just extra time to help get his skills better, Grappe noted, but because he's now one of the older guys, he's an example for some of the organization's youngest players. Here's Grappe. Yeah, no, I think you want to see a player overcome adversity. Uh, and he did that, whether it be for initial bad luck on balls in play or uh, the little bit of risk thing he had at the end. Um, but finished strong, ended with a championship season. Uh, now he's out in instructionally leading some younger players. And so that's what he's doing out there is kind of... Yeah, no, he's out there right now. He's working on his defense, uh, continuing to improve, and at the same time, taking a mentor role to guys like Jeter Downs and guys who were in his shoes a few years ago. I guess that's one of the things with Shed is Shed is that personality and he's he's that guy. Yeah, and he's really matured into that. Uh, he was always a bright kid, a hard worker, but he has really taken to leadership. And as he's applied a more serious approach to his own game, it's spread throughout the organization. And infectious personality, someone you want to be around, and just great to have in a camp like that. Long's back in Goodyear, where the season started. He got to camp in February, and seven months later, he's back. It can feel never-ending. That's because it is. Oh, that's okay. I mean, I'm yeah. having a good time. What, uh, what, is, what are you guys doing in Oh, uh, We're just taking around, I mean, doing defensive stuff. Um, yeah, like some simulated games, and then we'll play different games. But mainly it's like at the end of the day, it's, you know, work a lot of the defensive stuff, the fundamentals, and then go into the fundamentals of hitting. Really just breaking stuff down, and, you know, there's not a lot of guys here. And all of the big guys are here, so, you know, it's, it's a lot of one-on-one because there's not a lot of guys. So it's really yeah. it's helping out everybody else. And, I mean, that's what they mean by instructional league. Like, they're, they're giving instruction, you know, one-on-one, really. That break of about two to three weeks is coming up. Long's going to cut his instructional league time a little bit short to get back to Alabama. And, I mean, the thing is, I'm going to go home and probably going to go to the baseball field and watch and talk with people and, you know, help people out at the college, at the high school, and, and then, of course, the playoffs will be coming on, so the next thing you know, it's time to work out. Baseball just stopped. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it never is. From there, Long will spend much of his offseason in baseball's version of summer school. They call it Larkin University. It's named that after its headmaster. Hall of Famer and Reds legend Barry Larkin. A group of baseball's best, like Cleveland shortstop Francisco Lindor, Rockies outfielder Carlos Gonzalez, and the Marlins' D. Gordon, join with a group of young players including Long, Gordon's younger brother Nick, and Reds outfielder Jesse Winker, among others, trained in the offseason in Orlando at Walt Disney World Sports Complex. Uh, I mean, you come in at 9, and you uh, start doing cardio, and then you go lift. And then at about 11, at about 11, you go to the uh, track. 
and you work on some flexibility, and then you get your your conditioning in. And we're done with that. We go to the uh, baseball fields, and we take ground balls, and we hit. And, you know, we have different talks, like, every day. Like, somebody has to stand up and talk every day about a different subject. Like, Larkin just bring up a different subject. It might be about baseball. It might just be about life, you know. Here's Jesse Winker on Larkin University. It's incredible. Um, I really, where I get the most benefit out of it is when, especially when we go out and do, like, the baseball work. Because last off season I got to I got to do take ground balls alongside a D Gordon and Francisco Lindor at shortstop because I mean everyone was infielders there besides me and Cargo and he was like I don't care go to short and take ground balls and he Larkin gave me this like really really small glove to work with he goes you have to feel ground balls eventually in the outfield he goes so you might as well take them here with us and I'm like all right so he threw me out there and uh, just watching them work. I just I was kind of like wow. I, I've known I've known Lindor like I kind of grew up with Lindor playing against him, so I knew how nasty he was at short. Obviously, he took some hits away from me coming up, but just watching how him and D just got after it, it was really cool for me. And uh, you know, so it was really fun. And you know, obviously Shed was out there, and then Nick Gordon was out there as well. And uh, and then while they were also working, I'd get to go out of the outfield, and me and Cargo would just talk about everything. Uh, outfield hitting, um, you know, a bunch of stuff. So it was a great learning experience for me, and I look forward to doing it as well again. And then there's Barry Larkin, Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, MVP. and then on top of that, there's Barry Larkin, um, the Hall of Famer, MVP, everything that you said, who uh, you know was was giving me tips on both sides of the ball. And then also, we have the Barry Larkin boxing class. Um, he was. I thought I told you about that in spring, but we'd go box, and he was kind of like. He'd have the mitts on, and I'd have the gloves on, and we'd just go box for as long as I could go until I was pretty much passing out every time. So there was ask him next time you see him about the time that he almost made me, he almost made me throw up boxing. So ask him about that. It was pretty funny. That's the thing, though. Like you know, even when the season is over, it's not over. No, uh, that's kind of when it gets all started. You know, uh, I, I like to go home, and obviously you take a break. It's nice to go home and catch up with my family and spend time with my mom, dad, and brothers, but. I get that itch because you know you just want to come back and do better. Um, so I got the I mean I have the opportunity right now to uh, work alongside Cozart and, and Joe, who are you know for their positions probably the best in the game in my opinion. So uh, if not just overall the best in the game. So I'm learning from them what they do in the off season and what they do in season. And you know I can't wait to just kind of you know take it all in and put it into my routine. So. The offseason isn't just about workouts. Paperwork could loom large this offseason. Because Long was drafted out of high school in 2013, he's one of several Reds players eligible for the Rule 5 draft if the team doesn't protect him by putting on the 40-man roster. Okay, this is some inside baseball gobbledygook with rules and all that, but it's important. We've talked about this a little bit before, but here it goes. A Major League Baseball roster is 25 men. Those 25 men can play in any MLB game for the team. However, in addition to the 25-man roster, there's a 40-man roster. Those extra 15 players are part of a pool of players eligible to be called up at a moment's notice. To be on the 25-man roster, you have to be on the 40. But if you're on the 40, you're not necessarily on the 25. Got that? Okay. Once on the 40-man roster, it's not just a step closer to the big leagues, making it easier for a player to get called up. 
Being on the 40-man roster allows players to be part of the MLB Players Association, meaning benefits, including higher pay. It's a big deal. Players who signed as 18-year-olds in 2013, including Shed, or were 19 or older and signed in 2014 or later, have to be added to the 40-man roster. If they're not, well, they're eligible to be taken in the Rule 5 draft. Again, this can get confusing. At the winter meetings in December, the Rule 5 draft is held using the same draft order as the upcoming June draft. Teams can pick unprotected players from other teams. But there's a catch. If you pick a player, you have to pay the team a fee. And then, to keep that player, they must be on the big league roster, or dislabeled list, all season. The Reds took catcher Stuart Turner from the Twins in the Rule 5 draft last year and kept him on the roster all this season. The year before, the Reds took two players, the Angels' Chris O'Grady and the Yankees' Jake Cave. Neither made the Reds out of spring training and had to be offered back to their original club, with the original team returning half the drafting fee. And that's what happened. Whew. Sorry, it's confusing, but it's a necessary part of baseball and a necessary part of telling the next step in Long's journey. By the middle of November, the Reds will have to decide whether several top prospects, Long, Dayton outfielder Jose Siri, Pensacola right-hander Jose Lopez, and Louisville second baseman Alex Blandino, among others, will be on the 40-man, or the Reds will risk losing them. Here's Grappe again. We'll go through that exercise this winter. Uh, there's going to be a lot of tough discussions, a lot of tough decisions, and hopefully come out of it with the right choices. You like a lot of your guys, and Kim, it's only 40-man. Yeah, no, it's it, it's the other end. It's You'd be a lot more worried if you didn't have enough guys to want to protect. A 40-man spot would also mean big league spring training, going to Goodyear weeks before the minor leaguers do, working out with the big league staff, showing them what you can do, playing with the big league players and trying to earn a spot on the opening day roster, making those last steps towards the great American dream. You think about it and it's like, when is my time, you know? When is that time gonna come? And so, I mean, when you're, when you're at a level playing and you're seeing, you're seeing other guys from other teams going up from double A to the big leagues, and then you're seeing guys from your team going up, and it's kind of like, I mean, I could be next, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's almost where you can touch it, you know? Great American Dream is hosted by me, C. Trent Rosecrans, produced by Amanda Rossman and Phil Didion, and edited by Amy Wilson. Game coverage of the Pensacola Blue Wahoos is courtesy of 97.1 The Ticket, with play-by-play from Tommy Thrall and Chris Garagiola. You can follow the Blue Wahoos along all season on MILB.com, BlueWahoos.com, and WeAreSportsRadio.com. Follow the Tortugas all season long on their flagship stations, AM 1230 and AM 1490 WSBB, or streamed online through myam1230.com, daytonatortugas.com, or the TuneIn Radio app. Stay connected to your Cincinnati Reds with the Enquirer and Cincinnati.com, the go-to source for everything Reds. Never miss an update by signing up for a digital subscription that provides complete, real-time coverage of all the games, a terrific mobile app for both your phone and iPad, and the news you won't get anywhere else. 